0: Welcome to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press on to the new. <laughs> so the other day someone asked me, hey Milton, what exactly is the old that you were referring to? Well, let me tell you, the old, the old can be a paradigm, a mindset, a stronghold, a frame of mind, a frame of reference. Whatever keeps you from getting to that point B that you envision for your life, whatever is keeping you from breaking the mold, overcoming the barrier, breaking through the obstacle, whatever it is, that, that my friend is the old. And although that sounds like focusing solely on our psychology, let me just tell you that I will incorporate psychology, theology, and spirituality in such a way that it is applicable to your daily life. If you are a subscriber, I want to say thank you for following this podcast. It honors me, it blesses my soul, makes me smile. <laughs> and if this is your very first time, I hope it blesses the socks off of you <laughs> that you return, actually, that you subscribe and keep coming back for more. I've got to share a funny story with you before I get into today's episode. A little over a year ago, I happened to be speaking at a conference. I was speaking to a group of health professionals, and I used uh, Nick Wojciechek as an example of overcoming obstacles. Now, if you don't know Nick, he is Australian, and he has a very impressive ministry. He's actually Uh, One of the best uh, motivational keynote speakers in the world. He has traveled, I believe, to all the continents, and he has spoken to hundreds of thousands of people. Now, there is something particular about Nick Wojciechek. Now, he is a man that lives without limits. He is limitless and actually has a book titled Limitless. His ministry is Life Without Limits. He is, uh, as I mentioned, a motivational speaker, but he is also a strong believer in Christ. And he's uh, preached the gospel in a very powerful way. Now, what makes Nick Wojciech, uh different? Well, let me tell you, Nick Wojciech has no limbs, no limbs, no arms, no legs. He was born that way and yet has been able to overcome so many obstacles. Nothing has been able to hold him back. He has a beautiful family, a thriving ministry. He is a powerful speaker. I mean, come on, he's impressive to say the least. Now, don't judge me on what I'm about to say, but I'm going to be really transparent. The day that I spoke about him, I said, I have a friend. His name is Nick Wojciechek. Now, (laughs) the truth of the matter is, he was not my friend. I met Nick at a conference, and I happened to be I happened to have Willy Wonka's golden ticket, in a way. I had a ticket to meet him personally after the event. I stood in line, perhaps with another hundred people. And as I approached him, I was given about, I don't know, 30 seconds to get my picture taken. And uh, and I was able to say a quick hello. (laughs) And that was it. So, no, he wasn't my friend. He didn't know my name. He knew nothing about me. (laughs) But I... But I introduced him at the conference as my friend, Nick Wojciechek. As I drove back from the conference, I felt horribly (laughs) because I realized that I had lied to all these people that attended the conference to hear me speak. And I I had told a lie. Nick wasn't my friend. And so all the way home, I felt this conviction in my heart. I felt guilt, remorse when I got home, I told my wife, I have to tell you something. I had to, I had to get it off of my chest. And I told her what I had done after pouring out all my emotions and my, my heart in pain. She simply said, don't make a mountain out of a molehill, ask for forgiveness and move on. And that's exactly what I did. About four weeks after this painful episode in my life, I got a phone call from a friend that I I hadn't heard from in about about a year or so. She calls me and she says, Hey, Milton, guess what? I am hosting an event in your city in one of the uh, stadiums, and it is a motivational event uh, for the public, and uh, we would like you to be one of the speakers. I was overwhelmed with joy. I was ecstatic. I mean, I was, I was pumped. I said, yes, yes, count me in. Please do. And I said, and who's putting on this event, or who's the main speaker? Who is the keynote speaker? She, she says, Nick. Wojciech. (laughs) Nick Wojciech of all people, my friend. (laughs) Remember? Yeah, my friend. So now Nick Wojciechek was going to be in my city, and he was inviting me to be up on the stage with him. Can I just tell you that at that point in time when I got that phone call, as soon as I hung up, the first verse that came to my mind was that verse that says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. I'm not saying that God will give you just anything, that if you delight in Him and you desire a red convertible, car, <laughs> that he's going to get that for you. I'm just saying that God is so good that you never know. I mean, you can never outdo God. So I just felt that he was blessing me with an opportunity to be on the stage with the with the man that I had called my friend that I so admired. With that being said, I want to share with you the message that I poured out of my heart that evening on that stage at that stadium with thousands of people that came together to hear us speak our next speaker coming up is a clinical psychologist a master life coach and motivational teacher he is also a tedx presenter and his talk you are what you think has literally been viewed all over the world Milton Gonzalez is dedicated to helping others break free from the paradigms and mindsets that hold them back from reaching their absolute best in life. Would you please put your hands together and welcome to the stage, Milton Gonzalez. Come on, come on, come on. If you're excited tonight, would you give a great shout? Funny thing is I walked in today to the arena with uh, a tall, beautiful blonde that's going to be up here in a little bit. She's from the Netherlands and I walked in with her and she was, uh, we were approached by one of the staff members here and he says to me, did you just fly in from the Netherlands as well? Yeah, do I look like from the Netherlands? I said no, I flew in from Taco Palenque a while ago. Yeah. No, I'm not a comedian. I'm not here to tell jokes. <laughs> How many of you have already been inspired? How many of you would say that you're inspired already? Yeah. Well, let me tell you something about inspiration and about motivation and the fact and the matter is that if you don't do anything with it when you leave today, if you just get inspired and motivated and excited and pumped up and you leave this place but you don't do anything with it, believe me in 72 hours it's gone. You've heard it's been said, if you can believe it and conceive it, you can what? That's a lie. (laughs) It's a lie. If you can believe it, conceive it, and work your tail off for it, then you can achieve it. So you've got to take your motivation today, and you've got to do something with it tomorrow. Understand this, that we have all these paradigms or mental constructs that we have believed over time and I want you to help me fill in the blank. Curiosity killed. Ignorance is knowledge is. Those are three big lies. But did you see how enthusiastic you were as you were filling in the blank? Curiosity killed the cats. Not his power. Bunch of lies. But you've believed those over time. Curiosity didn't kill the cat. Stupidity killed the cat. Knowledge isn't power. Applied knowledge is power. Ignorance, for instance, is not bliss. Ignorance is death, and it's also poverty. There are certain things that we have believed over time. See, I was inspired by this teacher. She was my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Falls, and she told me this great story about a guy from the U.K. His name was Roger Bannister. Now, Roger Bannister was a 25-year-old medical student. He loved running. I love running. I'm a runner. It's what I love to do. Now, Roger Bannister had heard that science had proven that it was scientifically and humanly impossible for a man to break a four-minute mile. No one had ever accomplished that and that it had been told to everyone that it was humanly impossible, but Roger Bannister did not take that He decided that he was going to do everything that he had in his might to break the four minute mile, to break the paradigm, to break the mental construct, to break the stronghold in that belief. When people ask me, Milton, how do I change my life? The answer is very simple. Number one, change your belief system. Number two, once you change your belief system, your biochemistry changes. And once you change your biochemistry, your outcome is different. You see, Roger Bannister changed his mindset because he understood that the mind controlled the brain and the brain controlled the biochemistry. He knew that if he trained enough and believed enough because he understood that 90% of his success as an athlete, 90% of his success in life was going to be dependent on his mindset. 90% 90% is psychology, 10% is ability, training. So Roger Bannister summoned the townspeople, 1940-something around there. He summoned them, on 1954, he summoned them all at the track after training, and Roger Bannister ran the, four, ran the mile in 3 minutes, 59.5. Four seconds and he broke the four minute mile. Now although that story is quite amazing, what's even more amazing is what happened after that. 46 days after he broke the paradigm, four more men would do the exact same thing. You see they needed someone to inspire them. They needed someone to show them the way. Today, 1,700 athletes have broken the four minute mile, and the standing record today is three minutes 43 seconds. 90% is what? Psychology. is ability. I was in my fifth grade class, and my teacher told me the story. I went home, and I told my dad, I want to be a runner. I want to be like Roger Bannister. I want to run. So my dad wanted to sign me up for track. He took me to the doctor to get a physical. The doctor saw my weak, scrawny, feeble little body, and he said, you are not running material. I looked at the guy, and I thought... Is this guy prophesying over my life? Is that my lot in life? You see, the doctor gave me that diagnosis, but as we walked out, my father gave me my prognosis. He said, don't believe him. He said, don't believe him. He said, you see, you may not be ready yet. You haven't run a race yet. You haven't run a marathon Yet, and I told my father, I said, one of these days I'm going to run the New York City Marathon. I was in the fifth grade. Boy, I trained. But how many of you know that in life we face all sorts of obstacles? I faced all sorts of obstacles in my life, and I had set in my mind that in my 20s I would run the New York City Marathon. That I would run the NYC. But at 20-some years of age, my wife was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. She's diagnosed with cancer. My first roadblock, right there. It slowed me down. Things changed. And as soon as I started gaining speed again later on in life and I started to plan, I said, I'll, I'll do it once I, hit, once I hit my 30s. Because I'm gonna prove that doctor wrong. He said that I would never, my father said you haven't yet. You see, there's power in the word yet. It's a three-letter word. That adds possibility to an impossibility. But all you have to do is add yet. Did you know that by the age of 17, the teenager has heard no, you can't 150,000 times on average versus 5,000? Yes, you can. We're almost being programmed to fail. We're being programmed to fail. Because of those mental constructs, but we have to break free, we have to add yet, I haven't finished yet, you may not be out of college yet, you may have not succeeded yet, so there I was and in my mid-30s I said I'm gonna do this and in 20, 2007 my wife gave me three words, she says to me, Milton, live life in such a way that when you die the preacher doesn't have to lie about you. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I'm a preacher too. Preach it." <laughs> she said, "Make sure that you live life to add value to other people, and don't live by accident, but live intentionally." You see, then that night, she gave me a kiss, and we prayed, and we went to bed. The following morning, man, I'm pumped every morning. I'm a morning guy. I woke up 5:30 in the morning. I turned around and I looked at her, and I did what I did every morning. I said, "Buenos dias, Corazon." And there was no reply. And I tried again and again, and there was no reply. I found out that morning that she had passed away in her sleep. 34 years old, raised 14 foster kids, and a 15-year-old son. Another roadblock in my life. But we got back on our feet again and I could hear the words of my father in the back saying you haven't done it yet. I got back on my feet and I remember what she says, live life in such a way, live life to add value, live a life of purpose, live a life of influence, make sure that you make a difference in the lives of people and that's why I'm here today and I hope and pray that you live here with a different mindset but let me tell you, in 2011, 39 years of age, I got on the plane and I flew to New York City. Yeah, at 39 years of age, it took some time, but I made it to New York City. I boarded the ferry that took me from Manhattan to Staten Island. It was a cold October month in 2011. I didn't know how cold it was going to be. I was in shorts and a tank top. Man, I was ready to go, but freezing to death. And I made it to Staten Island. But as I was on the ferry going to Staten Island, there was a a man who was sitting next to me, one of those naysayers, a negative Nancy. If there are any Nancys in the room, I love you, nothing against you. But it was one of those negative people. And he looks at me and he says, are you here to run the New York City Marathon? I said, I am. He said, well, I need to tell you something. When you hit the 18th mile, you're going to hit a roadblock. It's called the runner's wall. When you hit that roadblock, you're going to give up. You're going to give in. You're going to start walking. Everything's going to start hurting, and you're going to stop. He says, are you ready? (laughs) I said, I have. I'm a believer. I'm a pastor. I said, I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I said, so that doesn't move me. That doesn't shake me. So I told myself, I said, self. Actually, I spoke to myself in Spanish. I said, me dije a mi mismo. Mi mismo. Keep. Your eyes on the street don't look at the mile markers because he told me that on the 18th mile I was going to hit the wall. It was a psychological wall, and, and there I was, so I... I started running, and I kept my face down, and I was running over the Verrazano Bridge, and the Brooklyn Bridge, and I made it to the Queensboro Bridge, and I was running, and I was keeping with the pack, 45,000 other runners, and I'm thinking, man, this is awesome. This is what I wanted to do my whole life, and here I am. I'm gonna go back and be able to tell everyone, this is really cool. But then all of a sudden, Murphy's Law, man. I lifted my eyes. I was running through Queens, Queens, New York, and right there, the 18th mile marker. Talk about mental conditioning. My body started aching. I slowed down, and I said, I can't do this. I started crying. I was in deep pain, and I told myself, why did you come all the way to New York to run this crazy marathon? You got 8.2 more miles to go. You're not going to make it. You know, we have that crazy inside voice that we have to shut up sometimes with, not sometimes, but all the time. But I started hearing this over and over, but then all of a sudden, I had a thought, and the thought was, Milton, you go out telling people to change their beliefs, and they'll change their outcome. Change your beliefs. And I started telling myself, I can, I will, I must. I can, I will, I must. I can, I will, I must. And then all of a sudden, you're probably thinking that's what inspired you. No, actually, a young lady with very long legs who crossed in front of me with a pink shorts and a pink tank top. She ran right in front of me and I had to confess to my now wife, I had to confess. I said, I did chase a girl all the way to the finish line. But the reason that I chased her was because the verse that I knew that I had in my heart was Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that girl on the back of her jersey had that same scripture. Philippians four thirteen, big bold white letters, I can do all things through Christ. And I'm gonna follow this girl all the way to finish line. Plus, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're gonna, if you're gonna clap, clap a little louder. Yeah. And I said, I told myself, plus your son, my son, David, was on the other side of the finish line with a brand new camera wanting to take the victory picture. So I had to cross that finish line. I remember there was a guy, 26-mile mark, I had .2 more to go, .2 more to go. And this guy standing over here on the sideline eating a Dunkin donut, drinking coffee, all snuggled up. He looks at me and he says, "Finish strong." Finish strong, man. I wanted to slap that guy in the face. <laughs> I was tired. But I finished strong. You know, I wanted to go back, yeah, thank you. I wanted to go back to that doctor, and I wanted to go back to that doctor, and I wanted to say, here's New York. Here's New York. Here's Chicago, here's Dallas, here's Houston, here's McAllen. As a matter of fact, doctor, you said I wouldn't, but I did. Thank you, God bless you guys. I hope you enjoyed that message. It surely blessed me that evening. Just being there with uh, all the people was quite an event. I will never forget. At the end, when you hear me call out each one of the marathons that I have uh, that I have run, I was holding up a medal for each one. So at the very end, I had a uh, I don't know perhaps hundred or so medals that I was shaking up in the air, representing all the races that I had run in my life. And I continue to this day, uh, adding more medals to the collection. Now, let me just preface by saying this. I didn't show them to the audience uh, in a boastful, arrogant, or pompous way. I showed them to the audience because I wanted to inspire them because surely in a crowd that size, I was certain that there were many people who in their hearts have had a desire to run a race or to compete in, in, in some athletic uh, discipline or simply accomplish some kind of goal or a feat. And they have held back because someone has spoken into their lives that they would never be able to. So my goal was to simply inspire them. Many people's lives have, have truly been conditioned with thoughts of what can not be done, not necessarily with what can be done. As I mentioned earlier, uh, by the time someone has reached 17 years of age, they've heard, no, you can 150,000 times versus yes, you can 5,000 times. In other words, we are constantly being told what we cannot do. This conditioning causes many to achieve a small fraction, only a small fraction of their true potential, also causing them to have a negative approach to life. To dispel this pessimism, We must transform our approach to life by finding solutions rather than always making excuses. You see, this small change in our approach to life will produce great outcomes, better outcomes. Albert Hubbard once said, The world is moving so fast these days that the man who says it can't be done (laughs) is generally interrupted by someone who did. Roger Bannister, the great Sir Roger Bannister, proved... That once you stop believing something is impossible, it becomes possible. It's that easy. He decided to change things. He refused to settle. When no one believed his goals were possible, he did. And that's all that mattered. When he failed publicly, he picked himself up and carried on. When his competitors were hot on his heels, he picked up his pace. He took things into his own hands and decided to tell a better story. And in doing so, he did the impossible. Now, let me make sure you understand this. He didn't just believe that the impossible was possible. He worked his tail off. I mean, he trained on top of being a medical student. He studied and he trained. He trained and he studied relentlessly. I want you to understand that things don't just happen. You must cause them to happen. The story of Bannister's athletic success is a lesson in that what others believe to be our abilities and limitations has absolutely no bearing on how high we can take ourselves. What does matter at the end of the day, however, is what we believe that we can achieve. We simply need to believe Each of us needs to believe that within us is a sub-four-minute mild performance regarding our personal or professional achievement. We need to believe that we have that performance where we cast aside all self-doubt. We need to endeavor to refute the naysayers and those little voices that tell us that we can't. The problem these days is that most people aren't truly committed. I've always said that in order to make something happen, you've got to have three elements. You've got to have intentionality, you have to have discipline, and you have to have consistency. Therefore, a lot of people, (laughs) they're not committed. They're simply interested. If you're interested, you come up with stories, excuses, reasons, and circumstances about why you can't or why you won't. Now, if you're committed, those things they go out of the window. You just do whatever it takes. If you're tired of the same exact outcomes every time, every year, every day, you need to adopt a new mindset. You need to become more. To do something truly original requires a deep sense of courage and vision. Keep in mind that vision is of the heart. Sight is of the eyes. You need more vision. The interesting paradox here is that often those who do new things also have a healthy disrespect for what has already been achieved. They use the past not as a boundary, but as the frontier upon which to innovate. So what's the four-minute mile that you're trying to break? What What is that one thing that you're trying to overcome? What What is that obstacle that you're trying to break through? What does the four-minute mile represent in your life? Whatever it is, in order to break it, in order to overcome it, in order to surpass it, you're going to have to adopt a different mindset. You're going to have to adopt a new attitude. You view the world through your mental attitude. Keep that in mind. If that attitude is predominantly negative, It can impact everything, including health, career, family, and so much more. Furthermore, negative thinking can have a spiral effect that attracts more negative thinking. I read a quote the other day that said, even if the bee could explain to the fly why pollen is better than cow manure, the fly would never understand. (laughs) You see, it would first have to change its mindset. So one of the first... And most important steps to breaking your four-minute mile, whatever that may be, is by replacing the negative thoughts that you're having on a daily basis. You see, we don't overcome negative thought patterns. We replace them. For most of us, those negative thought patterns are well-worn neural pathways. You've repeated these thoughts for so many years that they have literally created creases in your mind. They have created pathways, connections. And how do you rid yourself of those? Well, you don't. You replace them. You create new neural pathways. We actually have the ability. God has given us that ability. Our minds can do that. Uh, there's a scripture that I love, I and mean, you've heard in my other episodes, I've used it before. Romans 12, 2. Don't conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you can test and approve God's perfect, pleasing, and goodwill for your life. Note to self renew. <laughs> renew your mind. That is how. You create new neural pathways. That is how you create a transformed mind that leads to a transformed life. So here are four simple steps. Number one, notice when you have started the pattern. So notice that. Notice when you have started the pattern. Number two, acknowledge that it's a pattern you want to change. In other words, you have to identify it first. Acknowledge Uh, Be uh, self-aware of the fact that you want to replace it. Number three, articulate what you want to be different. You've got to say it, whatever it is, whatever you want to change, you've got to articulate what you want to be different. And number four, choose a different behavior, one that serves your goals. Once again, it's notice, acknowledge, articulate, and choose. And once you have chosen that behavior that serves a greater purpose, that will help you achieve that greater goal, rehearse it, rehearse it, and rehearse it again. Do yourself a favor and stop watching the morning news. Stop making Uh, Social media news, the first thing that you go to in the morning. You see, research has shown that just three minutes of negative news in the morning will significantly increase your chances of a negative experience over the course of the day. Wow, that's crazy. Research has also shown that positive mindset increases productivity and satisfaction while reducing error rates. Look, my friends, mindset is a choice but it's not always an easy one. Look to eliminate negative influences and stop watching the morning news. I plead with you today, stop. Instead, do what I coach my clients to establish a 45-minute routine first thing in the morning and a 45-minute routine before going to bed. In the mornings, Wake up with an attitude of gratitude. If you are a believer as I am, get up in the morning and before you do anything, sit on the edge of your bed and simply find 10 things to thank God for that day. I'm not talking about praying and asking for things. I'm simply saying, getting up in the morning and saying, Father, I thank you. I thank you for another day of life. I thank you that I can breathe, that I can see, that I can hear, that I can walk. I thank you for my family. I thank you, Lord, that I am blessed. I thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Find at least 10 things to be grateful for. Lift them up and thank the Lord for that. That's the first thing you ought to do and incorporate within your 45 minutes of your day at least 10, 15 minutes worth of reading the scriptures. I would read part of Old Testament and part of New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I would start with John with the last of the Gospels and read about the life of Jesus while also, as I mentioned, you know, also adding Old Testament. You can read Proverbs or Psalms. And then after that, You can either listen to a devotional or read a devotional. One of my favorites is by Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. And what I'll do is it takes me about 10 minutes to read. I'll read the morning devotional. There is a question to reflect on. There is a scripture to think about. And I carry those with me throughout the day. And I just think about them over and over after that, I will either listen to a podcast for personal development or I will read a book. I highly encourage uh, you know new uh, beginners that are looking to, uh, to grow themselves. I would encourage you to read Dr. Caroline Leaf's book, Switch on Your Brain. And I would read uh, 10, 15 minutes as part of my 45 minute routine. And then after that, I would do I would suggest you doing some uh, physical activity, uh, something simple such as planking. Uh, do 30 second uh, intervals and a 30 second plank, rest for 15 seconds, Do 30 seconds, rest for 15 seconds. Do that for about five minutes just to get your blood circulating. Oh, and I forgot to mention one of the things that I do, and I tell people, if you are a coffee drinker, I highly recommend buying uh, some organic, some really good organic coffee. I'm going to tell you what I drink, and this is not a commercial, but I drink Four Sigmatic coffee, and Four Sigmatic is organic, but not only is it coffee, but it has a blend of of uh, lion's mane mushroom and chagra. And so what that does is it it, uh, it helps with uh, brain function. So first thing in the morning as I'm doing my 45-minute routine, I'm drinking a cup of cold brew, uh, black coffee, and it just clears the cobwebs out of my mind and helps me think more effectively. So with that 45-minute routine in the morning, boy, it sets me up for a productive effective and very positive day. And if I am hit with some negativity in the morning or throughout the day, if I am hit with a circumstance that I wasn't expecting, I am more able or better able to confront that issue because I am mentally prepared. Let me end with this. Often, often our thoughts have to be focused on the regular tasks that we must accomplish on a daily basis. However, as we go through the day, we can catch thoughts and attitudes that are contrary to God's will and keep them from gaining control of our mind and of our heart. The Apostle Paul explains how this is possible. He writes, "'For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It is written that we need to battle to keep our thoughts pure, but it is also written that we have the weapons to fight with. Proverbs 23:7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Another translation says, where the mind goes, the man follows. You see, what we think about is crucial to who we are. Scientists don't seem to agree on how many thoughts we have each day, but all agree that there are thousands of them. Who we are is shaped moment by moment by the thoughts we choose to let into our mind and into our heart. But we can control the thousands of thoughts that enter our mind each day simply by running them through the filter of God's word. My friend, listen to this and listen carefully. What's holding you back, what's hurting you the most isn't what people think about you. It's simply what you think about yourself. Seek to transform your life by renewing your mind. You can do it. God bless you guys. If today's episode has spoken to your heart and has given you more clarity, more direction, would you take a few minutes to leave a positive review and to give us a five-star rating? If you ever find yourself at a crossroads, needing more direction, needing more help, I'm going to add my uh, scheduling link to the show notes. Uh, Feel free to click on it and schedule a time to meet for counseling, marriage counseling, or simply for coaching all sessions are currently being done through online platforms. And so it really doesn't matter where you're located. We can always find time to connect. If you're wanting to send me a quick message, you can uh, follow me on Instagram. I will also leave my link on the show notes. Give me a follow and shoot me a message. I will gladly reply promptly. Once again, thank you for your time. God bless you.